Hello, what's up? Uh, welcome to LE2B. I'm Tom McCaffrey. I'm here with Eric B. And um, please rate and review this podcast. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Um, also, we're sponsored by Silk City Hot Sauce. Go to silkcityhotsauce.com. Uh, use the promo code Brooklyn. And you get 15% off all your hot sauce. Um, we have a guest. But before I, I introduce him, what was that song that you were playing? That was kind of like a funky song. <laughs> Can anyone guess that one? That was a it was a Beck song from about uh, twelve years ago. Oh, okay, cool, uh, good song. We straighten that out. Um, <laughs> that's what you're getting a little funkier than usual. Um, so yeah, we have a guest, uh, uh, a comedian, uh, Shuli. How are you? Thanks for being here, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, I was not prepared for the uh, burst of energy that is Tom. Uh, I am, <laughs> I am now re- relaxing, getting back into my seat after being blown off my ass by. <laughs> That intro. Thank I you. I hear that. I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'd actually be good for NPR. Like, I think you'd be good on that. Me? Yeah. Um, I don't know. People shit on my voice a lot. Like, if I ever do, um, when I would do like Anthony Camilla's show, uh, yeah. his fans are kind of mean already. So, like, uh, <laughs> I would just, these comments people would leave on Twitter were just, they hated my voice. So, was, I, when I would go on after that, I just, I tried not to talk. Um, so yeah, that's a good start, and we'll keep going with that. Um, <laughs> so Shuli, uh, Shuli was on. Uh, you you were uh, part of the Howard Stern show for what, like seventeen years or something? F- fifteen felt like seventeen, but mm-hmm. fifteen, yes. Uh, you um, and you you worked there, and then you he kind of worked you into the show. Is that what happened? Well, I I was always the listener, and uh, I got into a, a habit of calling in later on in my listener years when I was kind of starting doing stand up, and uh, I was always a fan and I, and I always had, you know, uh, dreamed of, of calling in and maybe contributing or, or participating in something. And, and uh, Howard really liked my calls. I, I would, you know, come up with games or questions or something. And he always liked my calls and he always took them. So while I was doing stand up, making no money, uh, living with my folks in Vegas, I was calling into a radio show, making no money uh, in hopes that maybe one day I could. And sure enough, years later. Uh, so were he, you like, what was it like when he actually started to yeah, he would incorporate do, you in the show? He would actually do that, I think, with some of the callers from what I remember. Right. Yeah, like, there, yeah. there was there. I always say there's a fine line between, you know, being Shuli from Vegas and Shuli, the slow adult calling in from Vegas, you know. <laughs> and uh, so so for me, it was um, it was a huge thrill to be on the air with him and then to know from people working there, hey, he really likes your calls. That's all I needed to hear. And I treated that like a job, you know, when I would get home. I'd sit there, I'd write, I'd come up with something. And then later that morning, I would I would call in and in hopes of getting on. And I, I did that for a number of years and got on a, a bunch and won prizes and, and got to meet them a few times and sit in on the news in New York back when they were on Terrestrial. And so when you with- started, when you actually were uh, at the office, was that before he was at Sirius XM? No, I, I when he moved to Sirius, when he was moving to Sirius, they were um, he had an idea to put together a news team to cover his world. Uh, and and so they started hiring all these professional journalists, these news people, some very known in New York, uh, you know, a guy like Ralph Howard, who was the anchor for 1010 wins forever. But yeah, just, yeah. He had just retired. And when they offered him this job opportunity he came out of retirement to do it he was so excited to do it uh people like penny crone who was on new york news for years so it was all these real reporters and the only problem with it was nobody knew the show like a psycho super fan from vegas would know the show (laughs) and so they flew me out to be a a consultant which was basically like teach the news team who was who and what was what and, you know, his whack pack and the staff and all this, all the ins and outs. And and I did that. And then I was like, well, shit, I don't want to go home. Like, I, I don't want to go back to Vegas. So I snuck a, a recorder out and I went out to Times Square and I just started 
asking people about how are they excited if Howard's coming, you know, are you excited Howard's coming to Sirius Satellite Radio, Uncensored Radio? And essentially all I was doing was just crowd work. Uh, whatever their answer was, I just tried to make it funny. And uh, the news director at the time, I played her the audio. She loved it. She put it right on the air that night. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a way for me to weasel my way in here. And, uh, and I, you know, I tried to learn as much as I could how to edit audio, how to, you know, interview, how to listen to somebody. I had all these professionals around me from this real world. And I was just trying to do, you know, dick jokes in it, <laughs> you know? And uh, so when, and, when were you like, did you become like full time there at the, at the station? So what was originally a one week audition slash consultant role, uh, I ended up long story short, ended up lasting 15 years. I, I ended up getting hired for the news team, which was a team of five people. Uh, and then when the news disbanded, uh, they kept me on and uh, made me a producer and a writer. And then I was, and then I shifted into the on air correspondent role, which is basically like just one of the staff that just pops in with stuff when they have it. And, and it was awesome. It was, it was everything I had, I had dreamed to accomplish while, being dropped off at school by my dad and making him listen to the Stern show and he'd be disgusted, you know? And, uh, so it, it was, it was a blast. I, I loved it, man. 15 so, years. So you were like, probably like a huge fan and like in the nineties too. I mean, when they were probably, when they were like completely insane, that show, I mean, it was, yeah. It, it was I mean, old- we were pretty crazy in the series. The yeah. first five years of serious, we already was with us and it was, you know, I remember uh, Martha Stewart was having like a party out in the lobby area in, the, in uh, Sirius and uh, Richard Christie, one of the producers and writers mm-hmm. for the I show. Yeah, he uh, thought it'd be funny to uh, get completely naked and streak the Martha Stewart party. And, you know, <laughs> boss at the time was like, sounds good to me. You know? <laughs> so it was like Lord of the Flies when we first got to satellite radio. Um, it It was wild for me as a fan of so many years to be in a home now where it's completely uncensored and, and anything's possible. That was a lot of fun. We started doing roasts uh, yeah. live on the show, roasting different people. And yeah. Cause I, I remember am. during the, the, during the end when he was on terrestrial, he was getting like sued left and right. I mean, I think that was one of the reasons why he moved. Well, he was, it, it, I mean, probably was, the FCC. Yeah. The FCC was definitely an issue. And then, and then when he, signed the deal with Sirius, you know, terrestrial was giving him crap for bringing up Sirius all the time. Oh, yeah. And I remember, that. you know, he even got suspended once off terrestrial for that. So, <laughs> uh, he couldn't wait to get over there and, uh, and we could, and not only am I a fan, everybody that works there is a fan, you know, that's a mm-hmm. genius of him is like, you could hire the best producers in radio right now, but who's going to work harder for you and give more than somebody that is a fan of the product and and of you, right? So it's pretty pretty genius on his part. Did that? So when when you when you kind of uh, started actually being in the at the station, how did that help your stand up career, or how, did it affect it at all? Or well, it's funny. Early on, you know, I if I would have to rate myself honestly, I ran like there was no. I started in Vegas, so there's no comedy scene in vegas there is i was gonna ask what's it is, is there like no and people tell you now no there's really good no there's not listen here's the problem you got too many freaking options in vegas and and that's why right. comedy will never survive out there why would you go to a, a a bar or a hotel to go see an open mic when you can go to a different hotel and see a comedy central guy or a guy who's had three specials you know it, it, and not to mention get a prostitute or yeah, get a right. hooker, yeah. That, that's just one option right? <laughs> yeah. it, it, like comedy it, would be my ninth option there yeah <laughs> yeah i've said living in vegas is like a cartoon like it's it's 3 a.m you go hey you want to go indoor skydiving and and you're <laughs> yeah. like yeah and there's a place open like it's possible <laughs> so are you are you, was, you you come up with uh you know james mattern you guys yeah but, we started together we yeah we, when i moved i think out, he told me that too like about vegas when we moved out to new when i moved out to new york for my one week audition when i when i went out to new york for one week uh and and everybody's expecting me to go back uh the plan was james came with me and the plan was hey when this week ends with the stern show and they throw me out we're going to stay in new york and do stand up cuz there was nowhere to be seen in vegas we had gotten to 
the point where we worked all the paid gigs that they had for us and there was nothing and we didn't want to go to LA. And so that was the plan. And, and so he did it. He, he did the plan, stayed the course. I ended up getting a job in a 401k, like an asshole. <laughs> but you're, but you're you were at Stern, you were, but you were at Stern. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind right. of worked out. I mean, <laughs> no, it was great. And when I got there, we had this big tour that was going on called the killers of comedy tour. And it was, uh, Headlined by the Reverend Bob Levy. Oh, he's really, he's funny. Yeah, great. Hilarious. And uh, a couple guys from the show, Sal and Richard were on. We had uh, Jim Florentine with us. Oh, he's awesome. We had Yucko the Clown with <laughs> us. Did, uh, that guy die? Did that guy die? No, he just he just uh, stopped being Yucko the Clown. He's actually very successful. He's one of the creators of um, Brickleberry, Paradise PD, uh, these animation shows. Oh, really? That, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a... Uh, He's a great guy. But so it was all of us plus Beetlejuice plus oh, yeah. uh, the Iron Sheik would join us from time to time. like just this. I said it was like the Motley crew of comedy. <laughs> like it, like if Ozzy what are those, would, what, what is the audience for that? Like, uh, like, what are the yeah. fans like? Just as crazy as what's on stage. There is no time to take a breath. There is no I mean, Bob would close the show by getting volunteers from the audience, women to come up and uh, allow him to eat blue cheese out of the uh, backside of them. Uh, that was the big closer. <laughs> I heard about it. Eric, when that's I tell that's you, Eric's closer. When, yeah. I t- my opener. when I tell you we had to turn people down, I mean, it's in husbands shoving their wives up there, boyfriends, uh, just to be a part of this chaos. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a time I look back on now and I go, hey, how did we survive? Yeah. How are we not dead? shot by some jealous husband or something and then <laughs> you know like it, it was just a crack going from running five open mics i was probably a feature at best that's pushing it and now i was thrusted into this group show that i was hosting and nobody wanted to see me they wanted to see beetlejuice that's yeah. all they wanted to see and so everything was an obstacle up until beetlejuice came out and it was combat comedy we used to what would what would beetlejuice do would he, he do stand up he was a small guy right yeah, yeah. he's he's a uh, 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 dwarf uh, mm. as they call it technically um <laughs> can we say that word anymore i guess we can i don't know what we're who knows what he's i mean you know he's about this i don't know what to tell you but uh but he he would come out on stage and bob levy and i would be on stage when we brought him out and we would do the same thing all the time. We would pick a guy in the front row and I'd be like, Beetle, you see this guy right there? He said he can kick your ass. And Beetle would go, oh, you want to fuck with me? Right. And I go, Beetle, tell him how tall you are. He'd go, I'm 6'14, man. And I'd be like, Beetle, tell him how much you weigh. He goes, 248 pounds. And I go, tell him how tall you are. He'd go, seven foot two. And everything would change the next time he asked the question. And we would just do that. People loved it. And we set him up with a merch table after the show, and the guy made more money than all of us put together. Wow. And Se- did- selling eight by 10 headshots that he would sign. Well, I mean, it's a snowflake. Every autograph was different. <laughs> and 20 bucks a headshot. And he walked out of there with a knot of cash. Was he more like the most popular of, of the whack pack? 100%. 100%. When you did when you, when you did those shows, how many times did people yell out Baba Booey? Was it was that yelled out a lot or no? Everything was yelled out. Yeah. Everything from Every, the like, show sure. from yeah. the the morning before the uh, you know show and uh, you know uh, people go you know, my mom they would play voicemails with my mom from time to time like very rarely. I think only twice in my 15 years he played voicemails for my mom. I'd be on stage. So we go, how's your mom? And I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you forget how many people are listening and how intently they're listening, which I've always said, like one of the, one of the moments for me realizing like how fucking badass Howard has been throughout the years is how honest he is about things on the air and how hard that is to do when you know how many people are hanging on every word and they're and they're ready to analyze everything uh for him to do that for so many years it's ballsy dude i i I, you know i've i've tried it it's uncomfortable when people know about your life it's weird but what was it like because he's he kind of like shifted a little bit howard Mm -hmm. where his attitude kind of changed when was that was that kind of like around 
the mid tens or something. Yeah, yeah, it was around there. Um, Do you know why he was there? A reason or was it just he kind of was getting older or would he? I think. I mean, I think that's part of it. You know, it was a raunchy show when I started. You know, before I started working there, and and it still was when you know chicks would ride the Sibian the first you know few yeah. years of the of the serious show, and um and I think you know I'm a dad of two daughters. He's got three daughters. I think that I think that hits you at some point like a garbage truck t-boning you in an intersection. Like, what am I doing? Um, I think that he really started enjoying his interviews uh, a lot. Yeah, and, there's, and there's actually, I think, no better interviewer than Howard Stern. He may be I, one of the all time best. I would agree. I mean, because yeah. think about it. People going into Howard with his history are already nervous coming into mm-hmm. it. Right now you have to kind of lose that and and he helps that process to the point where they don't even realize they're on the radio they're just having a conversation with the guy and they walk out and they go oh and next time they come on they go boy the last time i was on they go i got so much shit for this that and by the time they leave they've done it again you know so (laughs) did you ever i know like everyone came in and out of there did you ever have did you ever interact with a lot of the people and was there like a really bad was there a celebrity that was especially bad in your experience or Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I don't know that uh, they weren't dicks to me. They just had this like uh, aura of like, you know, they're just like they some people you just can smell that they think they're better than you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you just you can feel it. And uh, Alec Baldwin, ironically, was one of those people. Uh. Um he that uh, makes sense. Have you heard like, anything about him lately? Anything, anything <laughs> not news? much. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um he, apparently he shot someone, but he didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> I haven't heard much. I just heard he's killing it. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but the, the one of the coolest moments was uh Norm. Uh oh my you mean uh, like no, when he first brought Artie on or were you there? For I wasn't that? there for that because that was terrestrial. That was at right. K-Rock. Oh, right. I wasn't right. there. Oh, for that was that. around 98. But he was always such a great guest. I mean, everywhere. Phenomenal. But, yeah. Phenomenal. And he loves, loved Howard and and loved coming on the show. And he was on one morning. And uh, I remember I because I'm a smoker and uh, he went down for a cigarette. And I was like, he goes, does anybody have a lighter? And I said, I'll come with you. And I didn't talk much. Just hung out, smoked a cigarette. We came back up. I didn't even tell him my name. He didn't really ask my name. I didn't want to bother him, but I did want to just kind of hang by Norm McDonald and smoke yeah. a cigarette. And then it's like, you know, show's over. It's like two thirty, three in the afternoon. And Norm's still up there doing a bunch of different shows. And I walk, I'm walking down the hallway by the recording booth and he's at the other end. And he, and, and he stops and he goes, Hey, who's that? And I look up and he goes, is that Shuley? And I'm going like in shock. I'm going, Norm McDonald knows my name. And he walks over to me. He goes, hey, thanks for the light. You know, he says, and uh, I really love your news stories. Because I wasn't even a writer producer at the time. I wasn't. I was still working for the Howard News. He's like, I love your news stories. You do a great job with the wife. I go, thanks, man. He's like, you do stand up. I say, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it this long. Come by Caroline's tonight. I'm doing some shows. You want to do some time? And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? Like one of the gods comes down from heaven and says, come with me tonight. Like it's just insane. When when was that? How long ago was that? Oh, I think it was like around 08. Uh, oh, okay. 2007, 08, somewhere. Yeah, around and there. I could imagine his crowds are probably awesome. Like oh, phenomenal. People who come to see him, they don't give a shit about anything. You know, you could say whatever, you know? 
I would go watch him every time he came to New York uh, because it was just such a, a master class in how you, you just as a comic, you walk out of there going, I ain't shit, man. <laughs> would, know, that, um, really would working there help you like get checks and stuff like what would it was that kind of a fringe benefit? Because <laughs> well, there's so married, many women right? that seem obsessed with that. Well, before you were married. Yeah, I mean, listen, before I was married, it was weird. It was like, you know, this is days of my space. I would just get these messages of like, I want to hang out. And I'm like, what since when does anybody want to hang out with me like, <laughs> but i'll tell you a funny story i was doing a show a weekend with Artie at uh DePaulo, um joe matteris uh and all three great comics phenomenal yeah and we're in vegas for a super bowl weekend and uh and this chick reaches out to me on myspace and she goes uh i'm in arizona i want to come out i want to i want to hang with you this weekend and we all know what that means so i said cool i'm staying at the luxor hit me up she was hot i said let's rock and roll so we nice. check in i get up to the room i get a text i'm downstairs in the lobby i said here we go <laughs> go down 18th floor to the lobby door opens i'm looking at yeah i'm looking at <laughs> i'm looking at a woman who looks nothing like the woman oh. that sent me the and i mean not good not good at all. That might have been the first catfish right there. It really was. Yeah. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, my first thought is I cannot bring her around these comics because they're going to make her cry and they're most likely <laughs> going to make me cry. So and, how was she in bed? You, you think Nick oh, was yeah, listen. <laughs> Wait, so, so she gets in the elevator with me and now I have 18 floors to think of how to get rid of this girl. So I, I figure it out. We get out of the elevator. We go to my room. I sit down. She sits down. I go, listen, I got to talk to you. I go, you know, I'm from here, right? I've lived here 10, 12 years, whatever. She says, yeah. I said, so I was dating this chick when I was out here and it's looking like we're going to get back together. And she goes, what does that mean? I go, that means you can't stay here. And she goes, it's Super Bowl weekend. Everything's sold out. And I go, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, I really, I can't help you with that. Uh, you you got to go. And she goes, you know, that's a really dick move on your part. No, but I it's said, not, I said no, the dick move would be fucking you and then telling you you have to leave. <laughs> I said, at that's least. True, I didn't. Yeah. And then I'm like, how about you use a MySpace picture from this fucking uh, decade? asshole how about well, that how did she look how did she just look older or like was it her and they were in the other picture or you watch football at all yeah all right picture uh former uh, uh green bay packer aj hawk with pigtails all right <laughs> like okay uh, that's, that's the only thing's missing was her running out of a tunnel screaming let's get him uh <laughs> it was not good but and, that's uh, a bro I, you thought quickly on your feet that is a fucking brilliant move i wouldn't have been able to think of something like that that was a good one well luckily you're on a, a high floor because if you're on two you would have been fucked <laughs> i really would have been like uh you're gross i can't do this thank you <laughs> god for the penthouse uh yeah so no there was definitely a lot of that but for me you know i met my wife early on uh i think i had like a year of single status which was fun but, oh okay that's it oh, all right well that's yeah it. but then i met my wife and and we hooked up and we've been together since and uh you was know he a, was he a fan or not just that's the funny thing she wasn't that's why it's worked out so well nice uh, and she's still not a fan um <laughs> which is why it stays strong now her sister was a fan her sister kind of hit me up and said, hey, my my sister would be really good for you. She just got out of a long term thing. You just got out of a long. We we're both bitter, angry. We said, hey, let's give it. And I saw a picture. Of her. I'm like, done deal. Let me hit her. Do you do. So do you do a lot of uh, you're good at impressions? Do you do those a lot in your act? And um I used to. I mean, I did a lot of Stern show impressions. A lot. Yeah, I was watching. Pack. You did the whack pat. You were doing like elephant boy and um yeah, I would because it would drive my wife crazy. I'd go shower and and I would start singing songs, but as the whack pack, and I would do like you know, uh, like um, you know, Hel helplessly hoping by Crosby, Stills and Nash, and I would and it, it, you know, something spirit to tell me, you know, and then Jeff the drum. <laughs> 
the future is fine. <laughs> and your oh, wife didn't like that, huh? Oh, no, I would talk That's to it. her as different whack packers. She go, are you hungry? And I'd answer her as tan mom. I'd be like, I am, but I'm I'm not sure what will uh, help me with my tan. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah. uh, so hey, I love you know, that. Yeah. Do you know that guy? I think he also does impressions for that guy. Sour shoes. He like calls up. Oh, I love sour. Yeah. Is he like how is that guy? He does like a great Gary. I know that. Right. He does a great everybody. Yeah. He he is, you know, it, He's this wild Mustang running <laughs> right in this open field and everyone's dream is to tame him, right? To, to be able to get him to work in a structure uh, and to and to use this. And you just can't. You can't. It's it's he's just a fucking he's unbelievable. If there's any way to harness this, he'd be on SNL tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He he's a genius. He does. Uh, he calls into Francesca's, uh, Francesca's I, I, show. I, I, I used to hear torturing that. for years. <laughs> he calls. I once did a gig where they asked him to come on the gig with me. So he picks me up and <laughs> he goes, I'm driving to Baltimore four hour drive. He picks me up uh, in a in like a one of those really thin vans. You know, those really skinny ones that yeah. you turn too fast. You might tip over one of those. I open the sliding door. He's laying down sleeping bags, mattresses, a football, a guitar, a keyboard. It's like a 12 year old kid. This is a guy <laughs> in his 30. And and in the whole ride, he's talking to me as Gary Delabate from the Stern Show. <laughs> and really I mean, and you forget you forget that it's sour shoes, you know, and it's like <laughs> and then we get to the gig and uh, I'm actually doing this gig this Saturday, the jam in Java out in Vienna, Virginia. But I remember they wanted to do a sound check because he was going to do songs. So I go out to the parking lot to get him and uh, and I open the door and he's got a blonde wig like Duran Duran. It's all spiky. He's got the harmonica thing around his neck, a guitar. And I go sour and his keyboard's already set up on stage. I go sour. They need you for sound check. And he goes, OK, just got to put my roller blades on. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck else do you need? Dude? <laughs> And the plan was I go up, I do 20, 30 minutes, whatever. And then I bring him up and I stay up there with him and I help him and we close out the show together. Well, I do my 20, 30 minutes. I bring him out. And then the rest of the time, I'm like the fucking audience. I'm just standing there watching him. I add nothing. I I interject nothing. I'm just in awe of this guy just working the room, playing any song off the top of his head. Does maybe one of the best Artie Lang impressions. Yeah, really good. Um, the 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 guy and girl uh, broadcast team for the Yankee games. Oh, uh, uh, John Sterling, Susan Wallman. He does both of he, them. He does both. <laughs> and, he, and he has conversations. He used to call me on the road. This is funny. I'd be I'd be back in my room and my cell phone ringing. It's him. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I'm drunk. I'm stoned. I pick it up and he's doing an interview with me. And and he and to the point where I get so into it i forget that it's sour shoes he's like october 2001 was your first call to sturgeon what was that like shuey and i'm like well sour and like what the fuck am i doing (laughs) two o'clock in the morning i gotta go to bed right right you're gonna have a conduct a serious interview with sour shoes but i mean (laughs) he is is just he just uh, calls up radio stations and like they they know it's him but he like basically does impressions and just calls up he'll be like oh already from new jersey yeah. And he'll call up the fan and he'll just do an arty impression for like 20 minutes. He is there like he is probably the best improv guy I've ever seen in my life as far mm-hmm. as coming up with shit. Would you get uh, when you were like in the thick of it? I mean, because they, they did they did videotape the show. Would you get recognized a lot? Just like, no, that didn't happen a lot. It was and then probably, you know, I mean, look, there were I wasn't. I wasn't across the board team player with a lot of bits. You know, my thing was. I wasn't going to show my dick. I wasn't going to do something uh, like I wanted to get in on my shit. Like I wanted to get in on my material, my impressions, whatever it may be. Uh, That was important to me. So did I get as much airtime as I could have? Probably not. But uh, but that was just the way I wanted to do things while I was there. Um, Because would they ask you to do a lot of things that you were just like, like besides like showing your dick, like other was there other stuff that you were like, 
like they pretty much know people who are like volunteering for that and are gung ho to do it. They'll come to you with other stuff in the future. But if they throw out an idea and you don't raise your hand, they're not going to harass you. Oh, or, that's or good. Anything. Um, but it's like one of the craziest ideas that you did agree to. Can you remember prostate karaoke? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where we went, we went to, uh, we went to a doctor's office, uh, a guy who I used to do a men's health show with, by the way, uh, his name is, no lie. He's a, a proctologist. I mean, not a urologist. And his name is Dr. Harry Fish. So <laughs> I always used to tell him, you know, gynecology is where you should be. But I, uh, so <laughs> him and I, we got we go with three of us. We go to his offices. This is like a doctor. This guy is like, I mean, he, he doesn't take insurance. He's on Park Ave. This is a real deal, you know, and and he does these colonoscopies or whatever or, uh, the prostate exams with these wands they're like these uh it's not your finger it's, it's like it's, the thing where they have the camera in it so they can see the yeah, inside. yeah yeah but it, but it's not like in the spy movies where it just slides under a door it's fucking things it's like bat night <laughs> at yankee stadium <laughs> and uh and we each pick a song and we and we have to sing the song while this is being uh put in and I, I had the Hanukkah song, obviously. And yeah. um, and was it was on bad. video. Uh, I'm sure one day my child will find it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that one's on video, but it definitely out there in radio. Later. What, how painful was it? It was bad. I screamed. Were you able uh, to do the song? No, I kept screaming. <laughs> I'm going to shit myself uh, in the middle of the song, which I guess you could say is a remix. If you want to really, yeah. you know, but. Yeah, it was. And then, you know, that stunt didn't go over too well at home, uh, which later on I look back and I'm like, yeah, I probably, sh I probably shouldn't have volunteered for that. But well, I don't well, know what your wife was kind of mortified by it or was it? Yeah, sort of she like wasn't thrilled about it, you know, because and I don't blame her because I never did anything like that in the past, you know, so it's not like me. I was getting airtime like I didn't need to do it. I just I don't know. It's like somebody shoved me forward. I was like, oh. So, so wait, can I ask you? So like, there's a lot of like moments on that show that like where there's like arguments and fights yeah. break out and like there's feuds. Yeah. Is is a, is is that real for the most part? Or it's always real. It's always real. It's it, it was one of the first reality shows. His show, if you really think about it, you know the K Rock days, the terrestrial days, where him screaming at his general manager and like and and telling horror stories of his of his weekend with his family and his and his you know now ex-wife but at the time his wife uh there was nobody doing it there was nobody taking it to that level like he was so when the fight and and it's funny you know you talk about things you're not proud of uh my fights i'm probably less proud of than than the prostate karaoke because who would you get into fights with I got into I got into a number of arguments with different people. The only ones I do feel okay with, I got I got an argument with this guy named Doug Goodstein, who worked uh uh for Howard TV when they had a TV element there. I remember and, okay. Yeah, and we were getting ready to have our first kid and he offered me baby clothes. And uh my wife told me don't don't accept it. And I can't I feel weird saying no. So I said, okay. And uh, my wife's like nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant at the time. I drive to Long Island. He hands me like four, you know, garbage bags worth of shit. Uh, bring it back home. Now that we had the kid in the summertime, this was all winter clothes. And apparently moms uh, surf Facebook when they give out clothes and want to see your kid in their fucking clothes because that wasn't God. happening. And about Three weeks later, Doug comes to me and he goes, hey, man, a friend of ours is going into late. She's going to be induced next week. And uh, if you're not going to use all those clothes, we need some of them back. And so I'm new to this parenthood thing. I, I walk over to Gary Delabate, the producer, and I go. I go, maybe I'm the weird one. And I tell him, I go, he gave me these clothes and now he's saying he needs them back. And I just see Gary take this post-it note and write it down. And I'm like that's coming with him in the break into the studio to tell Howard. <laughs> this is actually how Biggie and Tupac, their feud started. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and sure enough, Howard, as soon as they come back from break, goes, you're not going to believe this. And he goes, you know, and he brings it up on the air. 
And I just felt going into this, even before he stated his side of things, I felt like Howard was going to be on my side with this. Like, it's baby clothes. It's been worn. It's been shit in. It's been puked in. Like, what are you asking for it back? And <laughs> sure enough, that's exactly what happened. We fought for two days on the air. The second day, I brought all his shit back on a dolly and I threw it all on the floor in the studio. I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck asks for this back? And everybody was so mad at him. Even the fan, the fan started mailing baby clothes to his house. So uh, Howard was on your side for that? Or? Yeah, he was. He was like, Doug, what are you doing? He goes, it's garbage. He's like, who cares? He goes, be glad it's out of your life. He's like, the guy came to and he's like, and Doug's like, well, if your wife would have just come down and picked out what she wanted, I go, my wife's nine months pregnant. I go, my wife told me not to do this. I'm like, she was right. And that, that, that he let that be on the air for two days straight. Oh, yeah, it was great content. It was great. The phones were lit up. People had opinions on it. Like, yeah. you know, conflict is always it, great on radio. It's always, and he was the master at, at that orchestra, man. That fighting was is always, he's always said it's music to my ears. And, <laughs> you know, he, there's nobody better at it. Um, yeah, there's been other small fights where I just I, I was just too. I had such a short fuse back in the day. I, Did you almost ever so, get physical with someone or <laughs> there was? So there was a guy who used to uh, call in regularly. His name was Pete from Pittsburgh. Right. And somehow Pete got on my wife's Facebook page and uh, as under a different name. And, and my wife at one point posted a picture of her in a bikini. Now, this guy calls into the show one day. And while he's on the air, he goes, hey, Howard, you know whose wife is really hot? He goes, Shuli's wife. And he says, really? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm on her Facebook page and she's she's posting nude pics on there. <laughs> now, I'm like, I'm in the back going, who the fuck is this guy? About 10 minutes later, my phone rings. That's my wife. She's traveling to Vegas to, to help my folks. My mom was sick at that time. She's got our kid. She's traveling by herself with a kid and her phone starts blowing up because her family's calling her going you're posting naked pictures on Facebook. And like, she calls me up in tears. You know, she was going through fucking postpartum depression at that time. So it was just a horrible combination of events. And I was so pissed, man. I said, if I ever see this fucking Pete and sure enough, a year, maybe two years later, they're doing some bit with fans. And Pete is one of the fans that's coming in to do this bit on the air. This has been two years, but I don't forget. <laughs> right. And there, it's before the show, you know, before their segment starts, they're all in the green room. I go in the green room, say hi to everybody. Say hi, this one, this one, this one. And then I look and I go, oh, you're Pete, right? And he goes, yeah. And I just get right in his face and I just go, listen to me, motherfucker. You ever spread lies or bring up my fucking wife again? And he puts his head down and I went underneath him like this just to make sure <laughs> we kept eye contact. And I let him know. I'm like, who the fuck are you? You know, you fucking made my wife cry. You're a piece of shit. You know, it's not true. Don't ever open your fucking mouth for airtime. Was know. he a big guy or was he small? No, he, he yeah. was. He was bigger than me, probably. Yeah. But I was filled with rage. Like there was no there was nothing that was going to stop me. And um, the next segment, they bring them in. And I guess right when he came in, he told Howard that I had threatened him. And Howard brought me into the studio on air and was giving uh, me shit for it. And was like, hey, man, these are my guests, you know, which he's right. And he says, you know, you can't be threatening my guests. But I still didn't back down. I said, Howard, you love your wife. You hate when people talk shit about her. I'm sorry that I did this at work. You're 100 percent right. But I'm not sorry for the way I feel. And I'm not sorry for telling him. And I told him I get off at five o'clock downstairs. Be there. I said, and, what, and was he there? And Howard's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, but I go, hey, I get off work. If you happen to be out there, whatever happens, happens. And he wasn't there. And, and you know, and listen, the real trouble is when you get talked to off the air. <laughs> if it's being discussed on the air, then he's right, not right. he's not. It's not the end of the world. If he thinks he can get content out of it, then you're in a much better spot than a one on one meeting after the show. Was was there um was there anything you did on there that you were most known for that fans seemed to be like would kind of um 
bring up the most or something like uh, like a, a bit you did or some a moment or something i mean a lot of the impressions the the tan mom and the jeff the drunk uh and high pitch eric uh, i had puppets for all those and and i used to you know do bits with that um the first when people yell that, when you do stand up do people yell stuff out like like do this yeah do this. but what's funny is like yeah well, so, that, high, that high pitch eric guy he had just had this really weird high voice right and that was that's right yeah <laughs> Fuck yeah! What did he look like? I don't even know what it was. did he look the like. Complete the- opposite of his voice, about four hundred pounds. Was uh, he like really big? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, um... big dude, big dude, big fucking big ham hands. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they will yell shit out. What I've learned is this: I don't, I don't do the voices in my act. I, I, I really never have until back when we started out. Back when I was part of this Killers of Comedy tour, nobody knew me who who the hell I was. I had to do as many Stern show stuff as I could for them not to kill me. Uh, once once I left that, I don't do it at the shows because the majority of people um, are not Stern fans. The oh. majority of them, if I'm at a comedy club, they're comedy club fans and yeah. they're there to see a comic, whether they know it's me or not. Uh, but so what I do is after the show, when they come up to me and they go, oh, I thought you were going to do Tan Mom. And I go, I'm so sorry. You know, and now they've gotten a one on one and I don't have to go into a whole explanation on who tan mom is and and a 10 minute setup to do a voice that you've never heard. So you don't know how good it is. So it's like she was that crazy. She was that crazy woman who just kept going to the tanning salon from Jersey. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, she was accused of uh, putting uh, letting her. I think at the time she was seven, six or seven year old. uh, Oh, right. Right. I remember that. Who um, who comes up with those names? Tan mom? Tan mom was the, any... That was the media. That was the media. She, yeah, oh. she was dubbed Tan Mom before she came on the Stern. Beetlejuice, uh, the... Beetlejuice they came up with because of His him sit, sitting in the green room with headphones on. Uh, it, it was just like, yeah, like yeah. the headphones were almost touching. Uh, and uh, yeah, the rest of them are just Howard. Or the, I the guess I, I guess they're not that hard. To, I mean, high pitch Eric is not the most like yeah. high register. Sean is another guy. Uh, um, so the, so. I'm just curious, like uh, I was reading a little bit and you, you, it seemed like at the end you kind of were not happy there or something. Or did it get harder to work there? Uh, you know, I think um, you still uh, go on sometimes, don't you or not call in? I don't. Okay. I, I don't. Uh, I don't um, go on anymore. Sorry, I'm just uh, replying to text. You just message. got a text from Tan Mom. I just got to <laughs> cease and desist. Stop it right now. <laughs> Um, what, what, no. quick aside though, you, when you lived in the city, where did you live? Do you live in the city? So I lived in Astoria, uh, oh. in, in, but before that we were in Flushing. Um, okay. and now you're in Alabama, right now? Yeah. Natural move for Jerusalem, <laughs> Alabama. It's just a hop skip. Oh yeah. How did that? Why uh, Alabama? Oh, little, was- little Jerusalem as they call it out here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Huntsville, How many Alabama. Jews are in uh, Huntsville, Alabama? Are you, are you, are you it? Hold on. Let me see who's home. Uh, <laughs> no. There's one guy who who plants his menorah on the on the lawn uh, year round, which is really, uh, I think, a trap. He's just trying to lure the rest of us in. That's my take on it. Uh, but my wife told me my wife told me the other day they stole his menorah again. I go, well, uh, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> there's there's a reason. You you're, know, you're, you're basically in Biden country right now, right? The truth is they don't even <laughs> they don't even know Jews out here. Like for for real, we're just white people like they yeah. don't even know why they yeah. should hate us, which is really sweet. You know, when you think yeah. about it, um, <laughs> but, but is everyone is there, well, say, trying to say is everyone very conservative? It's, is it Trump Trump territory where you're at? You would think so. Right. Yeah. But it's really just about living your life territory. Out oh, OK. Here. Like we have yet I have yet to be fucked with for being from New York. I have yet to be fucked with for being a Jew. Um, uh, everybody here is kind of on uh, in the lane of like they're back to normal out here. Like everybody's do. I mean, and they're wearing masks where they got to wear masks. It's not. But look, it's anywhere you go into rural parts of any fucking place and you're upstate New York. Scary shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, Are you going to do you do stand up there? Like, is there I a do. good stand up scene? There's a club in Huntsville called Stand Up Live. Uh, oh, wow. I guess you would say it's my home club. It's 10 minutes from my house. Wow. Uh, I go every Monday to uh, Nashville uh, to. um play zany's uh they do uh new material monday 
I heard that's a good uh, club. So fantastic, fantastic. You have Atlanta, uh, you know, and, and when we moved out here, everything was shut down except for this part of the country. So it was like, while yeah. my friends are freezing their balls off on rooftops or in front of cars doing stand up, I was able to go and do indoor shows and, and not miss a beat, you know, and, and so the driving so much easier. There's no traffic. So it's like three hour drive to Atlanta is a three hour drive. You're not going to are you going to plan to stay there then? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. The the housing market out here is, is still booming. And our house has gone up in value so much since being here for only a year. Uh, that, you bought it? Uh, yeah, that I wouldn't mind, you know, selling this and getting out of Dodge and going somewhere else. Did you? Um. So did you? Did you? Oh, leave? So why I left you? Asked, yeah, I was right? going to say, did you leave New York because of the pandemic? And that's kind of yeah. why you stopped doing the show or. Well, no, actually, I was still doing the show when I got out here. It actually made for quite great content uh, for me to move out to Alabama. And, uh, you know, at one point I was arguing with uh, Howard, Jimmy Kimmel and Robin uh, about my move to Alabama. Jeez. Uh, it, it, you know, the show, once we went into uh doing the show from home everything changed for me as far as my role there uh you know i had built up this this trust and rapport with gary with howard that if i had something to add uh i would just walk up to gary and go hey i got something on this and he'd go go in uh, now there is like a three or four person process uh to get on the air from home and for me my wheelhouse was the whack pack. So if they call in on the phone and I got the Jeff puppet or the tan mom puppet and I'm ready to go uh, and I tell them I'm ready and then they go, all right, well, what are some sample lines? And it's just like, I've been doing this 15 years. You either trust me with this or you don't. And, and then it just got very COVID heavy, very political heavy. And, and I made it, uh, I made sure to, stop watching the news to stop being in that world and having that energy. I'm a big energy guy. Right. And so that energy of constant fear, I didn't want it. Uh, it's why, you know, our neighborhood turned to shit during the pandemic. It's why we left in Astoria um, in our, in our blood. I know not all of Astoria, but yeah. in our area, uh, we had people trying to break into the building twice. We wow. had uh, people throwing shit off their balconies into our yard Jeez. uh we we i had a guy shitting behind my car on the street who wasn't wearing a mask uh so <laughs> that was the bottom line um you know i was just like i want my kids to be kids i want my kids to be able to walk to a friend's house or or ride a bike or a skateboard or whatever the fuck they want to do that they can't do here right now and financially what we were paying compared to what we can get for that same amount out here was ridiculous. We've always been in an apartment. Uh, I wanted a home. My wife wanted a home. And uh, and so how long I, have you been there? Been there a year, a little over a year now. And it, what's the adjustment been like? Because it's probably way slower, right? Much slower. That's about it, really. I mean, it. you know, it's super slowed down, which after 15 years at that pace and tempo, and I'm OK with that. I'm all right. Like, I don't need to be fucking go, go, go all the time. Uh, and, and for me, um, you know, the peace of mind that I had here with this home and my kids and, 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 you know, uh, I, the only place that I didn't have peace of mind was work. It, it was a stressful thing for me. It was like, I just felt like, uh, it, be, it just it didn't match stressful? anymore. It yeah, I, just, stressful? I just felt like, I just felt like my heart wasn't in it anymore. The show was changing lanes to something that I I didn't feel I could be useful for or really uh, want to do, to be honest with you. Like it just, you know, for me, that organic spontaneity of of a bit happening live on the air or or riffing about something like that's gone, you know. And so for me, that was that was a big letdown. Plus. I'm at I'm getting older. I want to be able to do things on my own and under his umbrella. Your your management doesn't allow that. I can't. Did they ever podcasts. offer you a show when like it's serious? No, no, they never did. Which is which is odd because I used to be their utility guy. If they had a show that they wanted to put on, they needed a host. 
they would they would ask me to do it and i did it a million times so and that's fine listen i don't know that i was ready at that time to host my own show uh but you know, even I, got, Stern, I mean, there's turnover there. I mean, there always has been the only ones who've been there since the beginning, I think, was like Fred and Robin. But everyone else yeah. has come, you know, I mean, Artie, obviously another one, you know, who was uh, you were around for that. Right. When Artie. Yes. Artie was probably the nicest guy uh, ever to me. Mm. You know, I, I, I came out here in. the end he, of, he, oh, And he's never come back. Right. They've never let him on. He's not or, been back on the show. No. Yeah. But he, you know, he knew that I was out there from Vegas. He knew that I didn't have anybody out there with me. And that first Thanksgiving, he invited me to his mom's house for Thanksgiving. And his family was his sister was there, uncles. Did he uh, he um was he fired or did he quit? I know he like he was having problems with problems with drugs again, right? Is that a what good happened? question? I don't I I think he might have been let go, but I'm not a hundred percent sure because there was you know, an attempted suicide at one point. Right, right. And I, I don't know, you know, how that, how, you know, ter- terminology wise, how that ended. Yeah. But, uh, but I could tell you that he, you know, schooled me on the drive there was letting me know, hey, you're, you're going to be working for the show now. This is what you need to know as a comic. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And was like giving me a lot of helpful tips and, and advice. And then when he would tour, he would have me host for him and, and, paid me ridiculous money and uh and was was always a guy that you did you ever for. party with him you must have no nah, i'm a weed guy that's the uh, only thing i did we smoked weed once or twice uh we did it before going to see a 007 movie um uh, but i i didn't really run in that circle that wasn't that was a little too heavy for me you know i like being in control that's shit. exactly what i picture Artie lang's life as being getting high and going to see a james bond movie <laughs> oh my god the rumors to, are true he used to give me shit too he goes i don't know what you gave me but don't ever give me that demon weed ever again um so you have you so you have your own podcast now right the shuli show yeah, so I have my own podcast. It's the Shuli Show. Uh, you can jump on Patreon. I have tons of bonus stuff on Patreon. Uh, throughout the years of my dealing with the Whack Pack and stuff on the show, there's all kinds of stuff that I've recorded on my phone uh, that I, I like to say I like to cleanse my cloud uh, once and for all. And I'm posting, uh, you know, I've posted since day one videos, pictures, uh, stuff that's never before seen involving the whack pack. And then I have my show, uh, which is, you know, I got to do radio with Howard. I got to do radio with a uh, uh, brilliant sports guy by the name of Scott Farrell. Oh, and, yeah. I don't remember uh, that guy. The raspy and, voice, right? Yeah. Shake yeah. it up. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, then, and then the great Jay Thomas. Uh, oh, yeah. He one died, of the best though. Of all time. Yes. Yeah. And so I learned from all three of those. And that's really, for me, what this show is all about. Uh, is kind of showcasing all the things I've learned from from these three Yodas I got to meet. Uh, so because of so because of your uh, your history with uh, on Howard Stern, that must help you get like people listen to your podcast, right? Did that happen immediately? It or? definitely helped in the first episode because you know he's not going to talk about me leaving. That's just not how he rolls. He doesn't talk about people leaving the show, quit or get fired. Really, it just kind of moves on and moves forward. And I knew people would want to know what's going on and why. So that first episode was a monster. But my whole thing was, I know the first episode is going to be big. How do I keep them for the second episode? How do I keep them for the third episode? You know, and uh, and and play to my strengths, but also learn stuff along the way. You know, I immediately found a new whack pack uh, that are called my shoes team. And uh, I have them on once a month uh, to do a, a shoes report. Um, I have, uh, but that now I'm doing interviews with with uh, people that that I've always wanted to talk to, uh, people that interest me, and it's just cool to have an idea one night and go, I'm going to do this tomorrow, and then you pull it off. It's are you it's able good. to get people like that, like through like uh, can, like relationships you had for like made there like will people come on or sure like a howie mandel came on my podcast and and i i did wow, that's uh, awesome. stand up with him when he was judging with howard on agt you did know you shake his hand he doesn't shake hands right 
you fist bump, you fist bump how, <laughs> and then and then we went shopping and and I I was putting the numbers in for his uh, credit card and everything. So these so that must be awesome because that's kind of the problem when people start a podcast is getting an audience. Um, it probably I, helps that you already have. <laughs> you know what helped was that I never really called in favors before, and I'm not I'm not like you know. I'm not one of those guys. If I, if I got your cell phone, I'm going to fucking just shoot you text like we're buddies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so so when I did reach out to these people, uh, Tommy Chong. Oh, that's uh, a good Dunstan one. And hope nice. uh, uh, I'm forgetting a bunch, but there's so many great guests that have been on um, it, like they all came through, man. They They all and they still are. And it's great. And I'm getting, you know gearing up doing a new podcast with james Mattern. oh cool. Uh, okay yeah it's gonna yeah. be out in uh in uh, january the new year it's called thanks for coming out a podcast about bombing and <laughs> it's uh james and i that was our code word that was our code phrase when we started in vegas together you know i would host and bomb and then i'd bring him up and as i'm shaking his hand i'd go Thanks for coming out. And he knew <laughs> this was going to be a shit sandwich. So that's the podcast is us interviewing comics like yourselves and, and trading uh, war stories, you know, bombing, bomb bombing stories. stories. Yeah, there's a lot of those. For me. Yeah, that's not, there's definitely a lot. Of, that's <laughs> oh, really yeah. good. I feel like people don't talk about that as much. I feel like that's a side of stand up. People don't hear a lot about. Well, we've, we've banked about 10 episodes already and we're really looking forward. I think I think, you know, it's a really fun like the premise is, look, your favorite comedians weren't always funny. <laughs> we weren't always great. Like what was like, your, can you remember like your worst bomb? Oh, man. I mean, I would say it was a private gig in a guy's living room. Yeah, um, right, that's a good start. I, yeah. Yeah. And and as the gig, first of all, he offered me crazy money. So I took it right away. And then as the gig got closer, I get these emails like requesting more and more shit. Yeah, like for the first one was like, uh, so we need you to do 45. Is that cool? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then the next day is like, so it needs to be all clean because, you know, my aunt, she just beat cancer. She's going to be there. Uh, my cousin, he's going in for chemo. There's going to be a rabbi there. Kids. Oh, Jesus. And I'm sitting there opening my old notebooks from Vegas. I'm going, I don't have a, a 30 seconds of clean, much less 45 minutes. <laughs> but I can't back out of the money. Right. I need that money. So. I show up to the gig and and uh, the guy goes, you want a drink? And I said, nah, I'm good. And he says, all right, you're on after the rabbi. And that's when I was oh. like, all right, Jameson, uh, double. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I go up and I proceed to eat shit for 45 minutes in this guy's living room. I, I start. How many, how many people were in the crowd? Like, I mean, it was like 25 people in okay. this living room. Uh, and, and, and I'm doing, I'm starting bits that I can't finish because in my head, I hear the punch and I'm like, I can't say that in front of this kid. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh wait, doesn't this end with fisting a midget? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started to tell this story that really happened about, um, catching an Israeli couple talking shit about me in Hebrew on a flight, uh, which I was in the middle seat and I, and, and right before the flight, I was very nice. And I asked them if they'd like to switch. And uh, and my wife and, and his wife says, I prefer the window and he likes the aisle. So that was the end of that. And uh, and I fall asleep and I wake up and the husband is uh, uh, standing in the aisle and he's and he's handing me a baby that uh, they didn't have, you know, when this whole thing started. And I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And that I, is a and long I flight. Yeah. And I take my my AirPods out and he goes, uh, he doesn't go. Sorry. And goes, he goes, hand the baby to my wife. And I go, no. I said, this this is why I asked if you guys wanted to switch. And he and he says to his wife in Hebrew, he says, which translated means that's why I hate them. And and I start I tell up until that point. And then I realize and then I remember what I tell him back. And uh, and then I go and and what I told him back in Hebrew was which means Go fuck your mother in her asshole. And as I'm standing there and I'm going, yeah. And he says this. And then I realize what I have to say. And then I go, and you should have heard what I said. <laughs> and I'll never forget this 13 year old kid was playing something uh, game. Boy, I don't know what he was doing, but he didn't even look up. He just went. 
and just kept playing. And I'm just like, this is a fucking nightmare. I go, wait, wait, did you say you actually said the thing? No, I didn't. I ended with, I ended with, and you should have heard what I said to him. And I said, nice meeting you. Yeah. I've done some gigs like that recently. And you know what? They're always hard. And you're just always like, I just want to get the money and get the hell out of here. So so I literally, I run out to the driveway to smoke a pack of cigarettes to, to try and, you know, erase this from, and one by one, all the old Jews start coming out. The old guys, and they're all lighting up and they look around and they look over and they go. So what'd you say to him? Because <laughs> they knew they knew. Yeah. And I said, uh, I told him. And he goes, good for you. You know, the comedian, if he actually said it, he, it would probably have gotten a big laugh. But who knows? Yeah. It didn't feel like it was going to. Yeah, <laughs> but that's good. A lot of comedians don't think of that uh, having cliffhangers in their set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should. And, and I said, "Good night, babe. Good night, folks." And I said, "To be continued." You See you next year. You should do that on your Patreon. Just have this the premises, and then if you want to hear the, the punchlines, what about subscribe. the intro uh, on tonight's show? Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, wrap, wrap it up. up. I just have one quick question uh, yeah. and we'll get. So I know I don't know. I know Stern was always very competitive. Uh, did he ever bring up anything about Rogan? He never did. Yeah, uh, he no, he never he never brought Rogan up in, in meetings. He was never. I mean, I think once you climb to that height of, yeah. of the mountain, you know, you don't really pay attention to what's below you. I don't think. Yeah. You know? Didn't he? Wasn't there was kind of a feud with him and ONA for a while, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was, that was that's like Hatfield and McCoy's shit. Why yeah, was did they start it or what was the? Who knows who started what? I mean, both sides claim the other one started. Uh, I can tell you that I'm friendly with uh, Norton, with Kumia, with all their staff. Uh, Opie, I got no problems with. All of them have been very kind to me throughout the years and were very nice to me. Uh, I'm friends with the. I, I feel bad that I look back on it now and I go, imagine if they could have squashed the beef, the kind of bits and material we could have got of both those shows being up at Sirius XM at the oh, same wow. time. It could have been killer, uh, but, you know, people get yeah, that's pissed. What I, I always wonder. Yeah, it always seemed weird that there was. I, I almost wonder if it was like if they had started it just to kind of get themselves some attention. I mean, everybody took a shot at the king, right? That's how right. they got, that's how they got noticed. And and but at that day and age, he was burying fools like there was no he'd come to a town, do a press conference. And that week, he's number one and the number one morning show for eight years is dead, <laughs> gone. Yeah, like nobody had that power. So did you, you you probably followed him at the time because I, I remember, you know, I grew up in New York City, but like like I didn't really listen to him at that point. But I remember like in the 80s, late 80s, whenever he did an appearance, he, his attitude was so um, the like the aloof kind of like uh, attitude that he was always kind of insult. There's yeah. there's an interview. Why like am Tom I in Snyder. New Orleans? He would go. Why, why are you bringing me? <laughs> like he New goes Orleans. on Arsenio, like yeah. I think in like '90, and he's like, yeah, this this show. Like he's like, hey, you're. He starts calling him a black guy and stuff, and then he's like, the audience boos him, and he's like, hey, I'll get out of here, man. I don't need this. And I remember being like, I knew who he was, but I was like blown. I was like, who is this guy? Like I can't <laughs> believe someone's doing this. Yeah, and it only made him more famous at that time. So it was like a drug, like. He's like, oh, if I just go out there and say stupid shit or act like a jerk, then more people are going to listen. And it really was, you know, in that movie Private Parts, they sit there and they go, you know, people who listen for uh, two hours, uh, they ask him why. And they go, I want to see what he's going to say next. And people who hate him listen for four hours and they have the same answer. They want to hear what he's going to say next. <laughs> like, ironically, he kind of like Trump, I feel like almost stole that playbook a little bit or a lot of, you know, Trump, Trump throughout the years on that show was one That's of the good guests guess. ever. One of the well, best guests yeah, ever. He was would sit there and rate women and like, talk. <laughs> you know, it was just insane. The shit he would talk about. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, see, yeah. This, is my, this is something I wanted to ask. So what since you were such a big fan, was he like an intimidating guy? Did he? Were you kind of like at first, especially were you kind of like 100 percent cool or do you freak the shit? out? He's always been cool, but I was always freaked out. I I never got I guess maybe towards the end, I got comfortable coming into that studio. But every time I could walk into any studio, any show and I have no issues, I feel like I can contribute. I'm calm. I'm, I'm ready to go. His studio, you walk in. I mean, that's Yankee Stadium. That's that's, yeah. you know, 
that's the top of the food chain, man. And it's it, if it if your balls don't go into your throat, something's wrong with you. <laughs> that's what I was gonna. So you you say you're a big energy guy, like you can yeah. kind of pick pick up on energy. So what's the energy in that room like when you go in that room? Is it just? It's for for me the way I approached it is you know I started in Vegas so I played to twelves of people a night right and so coming into a room that just had five people I felt like this show's almost sold out right like I'm halfway there and and my goal was to always get him to laugh that was it if I can make him laugh I'm assuming people listening are laughing you know it's that whole but he would never give it up for everything he was kind of a tougher guy to make laugh I think. I think for some people, yes, but I think I think if he I think with me, he was he was like uh, he knew I if I was going to open my mouth, it was going to be something, something good. And so I it's like, like he's kind of like a Johnny Carson, like, you know, you get the. Oh, yeah. King of all media. 100 percent. 100 percent. I mean, there's politicians that were elected because of his show back mm-hmm. in the 90s. You know, yeah. Christy Todd Whitman in New Jersey, one governor of New Jersey because of him. And she dedicated a rest stop. Really? <laughs> yeah. Howard named named a rest stop after Howard that was known for outrageous gay sex. <laughs> I remember that. Hey, you yeah. have to tell Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm well, very Shirley, familiar. Thanks, a lot. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. No do you have problem, anything to pl- do you have anything to plug um, right now? Uh, yeah. The the Shuli show. Uh, you can go on Patreon, get all the bonus stuff. You watch us do all the shows live. Uh, I don't really record any shows. I do everything live. So Patreon uh, dot com. The Shuli show. I have another show with uh, the Reverend Bob Levy, uh, a few other comics called The Miserable Men Show. That's also on Patreon uh, at The Miserable Men Show. And then uh, my social media, Shalom Shuli. Instagram, Twitter, shalomshuli.com for dates. And, uh, and yeah, me and Eric are happy to come on the Shuli show. Like, I know you've been hitting us up for a while. So, <laughs> no, you guys are very busy, but if you stop yeah. dicking around, I'd like to get I, I'm out at the rest stop a lot. So, I got to get out. Yeah. So, he's redecorating. No D pads for my show. Eric. <laughs> he's got a lot of uh, Windexing to do. Um, <laughs> well, thank right, you for well, having me. I had a good time, man. And thank you. Uh, thanks so much, all right, Shuli. Uh, yeah, great talking to you. Be well. See you guys. Bye bye. All right. Thanks again, man. And uh, thanks for listening. We're still uh, we still recording. Yeah, we're still recording. So thanks. That was great. That was a good yeah. time. I want to thank Shuli for coming on. And uh, guess we're gonna anything you need to add, Eric? No, or rate and review. Or... Any more rest stops to plug? <laughs> <laughs> rate and review. Uh, rate and review. Uh, buy Silk City Hot Sauce. SilkCityHotSauce.com. Fifteen percent off if you use the promo code Brooklyn and uh, join our Patreon. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.